Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. And now the end is near. The end is and here. now we face the final curtain. My friends, I said it clear. McDavid lottery, we're bound, I'm certain. <laughs> Gumbo the- and DW are so full of crap. <laughs> I don't believe it. My friends, I'll say it clear. We did it. Lautner's way. Thank you. That's for the young demographic. <laughs> well, dude, um, happy hockey day to you. Yes. Uh, we discussed the Sharks being almost certainly lottery bound for the first time, dude, I think in 11 years. Is that correct? I think that's right. 03, I believe. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not a good feeling. I have to disagree. I feel better, at least knowing that there is a direction now, and it is down. <laughs> I don't know why. I actually feel relieved, and maybe that makes me a totally awful fan. No, I, but I, I, I think we were both fearful of this terrible middle ground, which the Sharks would have reached only under the best circumstances, which is they would have gone on a huge run, and barely made it into the playoffs, and then in all likelihood would have lost early, and then would have been where they've been, unfortunately, so many times before with a mid-round draft pick and some veterans on the team and not really a clear path to getting into contention. Whereas a couple years ago, it seemed like they were you know, on that path. They were contenders, and it didn't work out for them. But over the past couple of years, this decline has been fairly evident to many of us, or at least in retrospect, has been evident. So, yeah, I, at least now, the path is pretty clear what's going to happen, right? It, it's The end is near, the end is here, and hopefully they, you know, they'll get a pretty decent draft pick. They don't really have uh, any motivation to win any more games at this point, right? Well, <clears throat> you, you would certainly think that that's the case, and, and I guess, you know, uh, we should start by talking about the, the last five games, you know, we were uh, recorded right before going into the Chicago game, which uh, I fully expected the Sharks to win that game just based on the whole jumbo thing. And, you know, you, you're you uh, thinking Joe is going to come out and play angry. He did score in that game. I, actually, I don't think he played that poorly in that game. But the Sharks just got completely housed. They gave up four third-period goals. Right. And they lost that game. And... After that game, any slight glimmer of hope of them maybe getting back in the playoff picture was completely snuffed, right, dude? Well, if it if it wasn't snuffed then, it was certainly snuffed the day after when they lost, or Tuesday after they lost to Winnipeg, and then, of course, Montreal. They lost to Montreal, and then they lost last night again to Ottawa. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean the the idea that they could make the playoffs at this point is is basically impossible. But dude, I know our last uh, we got a lot of comments on the blog. There was a lot of interest, of course, because of this uh, 
this this little fracas between Joe Thornton and Doug Wilson. So why don't we update the listeners as to where it stands today, dude? So more fireworks, less fireworks. What has happened since we last gleefully recorded? Well, on the management side, Doug Wilson came out at the GM meetings in Florida and basically said that everything is fine and that uh, Joe called him. He said Joe called him wow. that night and they talked about it and they have no problem with each other and that, you know, sometimes things happen and that Joe is a part of this team now and moving forward. And he made that statement again. <clears throat> Joe Thornton came out and said, I believe to the Toronto media, that he has no intention of going anywhere, that he loves playing in San Jose, and that he plans on retiring a San Jose Shark and maybe signing another contract after this one is over if he is still able to play, which I thought were some very interesting comments. We'll get back to that afterwards. Um, In the local media, uh, Tim Kawakami and Ray Ratto were on uh, Yahoo Sports Live and made comments essentially that you know, if it was the team's intention to make Joe Thornton less of a presence in the locker room, they have failed miserably. And that uh, <laughs> Ratto said that Joe Thornton is now bigger than ever. Yes. That's what he said. So, um, you know, I, I, Ratto is not part of the team, but I think he is informed. God, I'd love to talk to Mark Purdy again. And, you know, maybe we'll have him on soon maybe when the season is over to get his take on this because he always seems to be uh on the pulse of what's going on with the sharks but um i don't know if i'm buying this tied up with a nice red bow on christmas ending to this very public feud dude you you think they're they're wallpapering over the huge hole in the wall like you do with your college apartment <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a lot of toothpaste. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot of toothpaste. I I don't know. I can't take them at face value on this. I just I can't. I, I don't believe that they were able to to smooth this over so rapidly when there clearly has been a divide between management and Joe Thornton since the offseason that's just gonna be fixed in one phone call. I mean, you don't go and tell the world that your GM is a liar and tell him to shut his mouth twice. And then that night be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I don't believe, I just, I don't buy that. That's what happened. Dude, do, do, do you buy it? No, but I agree. <laughs> I agree with what they did. It, sure. It, I don't think it helps Joe Thornton or Doug Wilson or the sharks for there to be this constant, uh, public evidence of, discontent between the two of them and no i I certainly believe there's still enmity between them and all that but i think they did they both did the right thing which is to basically pretend like everything is fine so people like us have little to uh uh you know talk about and reporters have little to ask about and who knows maybe it got a little better maybe it didn't but i think they they've managed to now put the whole thing back under wraps and and let the whole thing, let the resentment uh, simmer and hopefully bubble over in the offseason. <laughs> I mean, to see that, you know, we're wondering, well, maybe the team is going to rally behind Joe here and have this be a, uh, 
a rallying cry and have them essentially lose four of their last five since this happened. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that says either may mean absolutely nothing, but you know, the, the yarn has unraveled here. The sharks have fallen down the spiral. I am fairly confident that they will win just enough games to not pick in the top 10, just <laughs> because that seems to be how the sharks will roll. But um, this is what I would like to see moving forward for the rest of the year, dude. I would like to see as little to no Auntie Niemi as possible. Yeah, that was I one of my top topics for today, which is Staylock pitched a shutout at home versus Montreal, and he hasn't played since. And that's one of the weirdest things, especially after reading Kevin Kerr's just yesterday or the day before, Kevin Kerr saying, Niemi's gone. Niemi is not coming back. The Sharks will not sign him. I don't understand. Uh, I, I guess the only if I had to uh, if I had to speculate as to what this means, it means the Sharks have zero percent confidence that Staylock can can be the goalie of the future. So that's the only thing I can guess because if they if they weren't sure, I would think they'd be playing him right now, right? Well, I mean, unless it, we've talked again about it, the apparent divide between McClellan and, and Doug Wilson. And, you know, McClellan may feel like, in a way, he's still in there coaching for his life. And if he thinks Niemi gives him a better chance to win a game tonight, then he's going to go with the guy who's going to win him a game tonight so that he can keep this job or get a job somewhere else. If they were in step, I would think moving forward and going, you know what, the best thing for this team, since we're not going to make the playoffs, is to possibly fall as far down the standings as we can and take a look at some of our future talent. And by doing that, you know, I'm not saying let's put Staylock in because we know he's going to lose. I hope that's not the case. I want to put Staylock in because I want to see what the hell he's got, you know, down the stretch. And if they do lose games because they're playing younger players more and scaling back minutes of guys like Marlowe, who's been absolute dog crap, you know, in these last five games, he's been awful. Minus four, one point when they needed him down the stretch, Marlowe disappears. He should be playing, you know, limited minutes the rest of the year and give it to some of the kids. And let's see what happens, dude. And would it kill the Sharks to get the seventh pick instead of the 12th? Like, you know, like that's a big, big difference. It it's is a, a big huge difference. difference in the type of player you should get. So this is the reality. We're in the lottery. Let's be smart about it and take a page out of Buffalo's book and play like crap for a few weeks and get a better pick, dude. I mean, would you rather have a 5% chance at McDavid than a one? I mean, 5% chance. I think we were joking yesterday. If we, if, if we're watching the lottery and, and the name San Jose Sharks came out with the number one pick. Yeah. What would you do? I would, I would probably poop my pants. I, I mean, I mean, almost I literally. I, would, I think I would weep openly. I think I, I, I might sob openly. <laughs> it would be so amazing. And, you know, I, this is the reality now. Whether we like it or not, the Sharks are not going to the playoffs. And so let's, let's try and position ourselves in the best way we can. And guys who maybe don't have a future with the team anymore, if they're still around... You know, no more Scott Hannon, which I appreciate that. Okay, let Mirko Mueller play. No more John Scott, please. We don't need him anymore. Let someone else play. Right. And no more Niemi, or at least very limited Niemi. 
Yeah, it's true because there, there's been, really been nothing good about these last five games. All four losses were to playoff teams. It, it's pretty clear the Sharks are not a playoff team. When you can't beat a playoff team, when you need to make the playoffs very badly, uh, I think the Sharks are exactly properly uh, slotted right now in terms of the standings. I, I mean, they, they can't they can't beat uh, you know a Winnipeg team that's missing good players that's not certainly has a playoff spot locked up and and they can't take uh beat Ottawa even though they had the lead uh you know and they just basically completely folded uh late in the game and couldn't win and so now they have you know a couple games coming up where they're going to be playing more playoff opponents in Detroit and Pittsburgh you certainly can't expect them to win those games either right no although I, they probably will because well, yeah I, I don't expect them to but I also I, I think they need to put themselves in a position now that, you know, it's not it's not beneficial for them to win these games. At this point, there's no point. So, you know, if, if some guys have nagging injuries, let them sit. Bring up some guys from Worcester. Um, let's see what some of these guys who are not – let's let's see Tarasov play a little bit. Let's yeah. see a little bit more of, of Taylor Fadun. I mean, he's played one game. You know, let, let's see what, what these guys have instead of, you know, trotting out players that you're you're not even evaluating anymore. Let's let Matt Irwin play 25 minutes and see. They've got to make a decision on Matt Irwin. I mean, that's going to be one of the most interesting calls of the offseason because he's unrestricted and he has been good for about a third of the season and bad for about two-thirds of the season. So which one do you believe? I mean, what do you believe is the real player? Right. I don't know. I, so they I'm, need to see as much as they can, as much as they can of some of these players, you know? Um, as I was kind of looking through the stats, dude, I, I I noticed that I think Brent Burns has 52 points. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. And, and I, I wanna, <clears throat> we've talked about this several times, so I just want to talk about it one more time. I, I am tired of the move Brent Burns back to forward topic. I'm tired of it. Really? Why? Are you tired Why? of it because you think it's a bad idea? Or are you just tired I think of it's it because... a terrible, terrible idea. You're going to move him to forward. So that creates this a huge, gigantic gaping hole. Instead of moving him to forward, why don't you get him somebody good to play with? And then why don't you get a forward to play forward? Like, he's a defenseman who has been playing defense again for one year. Like, after not playing it for like a year and a half. So, like, let's... He he's one of the, he's one of the best top three offensive defensemen in the NHL. Yeah. So let's move him to a, a spot that he's not even going to be a top fifty player. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it makes any sense. Let let him get him a better player to play with. Like his numbers are so good as a forward that they really were. They were good as a forward. I'm I'm a little bit more sympathetic to this argument than you. I guess. I'm not saying I'm decided that he should be moved back to forward, but. He does seem to make these highly public, terrible defensive mistakes, though, on a fairly regular basis. That's the sure, only, but the, that's so, the so does Eric Carlson. So does Eric Carlson. So does Keith Yandel. Yeah, yeah, Keith Yandel. I mean, those guys—they're not—they're not Duncan Keith. You know, I'm not saying Burns is going to win the Norse. PK Subin makes some terrible plays sometimes. You know, yeah. um, and. Uh, those guys are dynamic game changers on the back end. I think if you move him back to forward, who's going to, there's, there's only a handful of guys who can do that in the league. 
And I think you're just making a way, way bigger problem for yourself. Anyways, I just wanted to go on that rant because it's been on my mind, dude. Been on my mind. It's been on my mustache. Do you like my mustache, dude? It's pretty good. Yeah. Brent Burns has Bro. more points than PK Subin, by the way. Yeah, I know. So clearly, he should be moved. But Subin is plus nineteen. So there's that. I know he's on a he's on a way better team too. Yeah, I mean, you see some <laughs> of these other guys. If we look at some of these other guys at the top of the defensive point uh, standings, like you said, Keith Yandel minus twenty six. Although that's probably largely a product of him playing in Arizona. That's terrible. Um, we have Justin Falk also playing for a bad team. That's minus 20. Uh, we have Nicholas Cronwell with 40 points and a minus player. That's interesting. Oliver Ekman Larson has is minus 19 again for Arizona. Not a good team. Dude. And I think, uh, isn't Burns only minus four or something like that? Only quote unquote, only minus four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not that. I mean, you know, if you're, he's not here to be. Duncan Keith, you know, I mean, this is not the type of player that he's going to be. He's never going to be that type of player. Yeah, I just, I don't think that as we're looking into the offseason that that should even be on the table. Like, I just, I personally don't think it should even be up for discussion. He is a top five offensive defenseman in the NHL, an all-star. You move him to forward, he is not an all-star anymore. He's just a above average forward, in my opinion. Yep. No, it's a good point. I mean, looking down the lineup, I, Brent Seabrook is a minus player. Maybe they should move Brent Seabrook to forward, huh? What do you think? Maybe they should. Maybe they should, dude. He's playing on a much better team. All right, dude. That's a good point. Um, uh, let's see. Actually, dude, I want to uh, have... I, I made a new uh, little sound for a new segment that I'm calling uh, The Magic Number, which is a blatant ripoff from another podcast. I know some of you may know what podcast that is, but I'm going to leave that a mystery for those of you who don't know. And so let me play my little sound here. And that's The Magic Number. All right, so Magic Number is a new segment where I'm going to illustrate a single number that, uh, that tells us something about the sharks, dude. And uh, the number... For uh, this week is minus 10. Dude, what do you think that number represents? Uh, <clears throat> minus 10. Um, we know it's not, Brent, it's not Brent Burns' number. We know that. I know. I'm going to say it's uh, the, the, the degrees of coldness in Doug Wilson's heart. <laughs> it's close. It's close, okay. dude. Actually, what is th- it? This one came from a, a comment on the blog, and uh, someone asked, what... How are the Sharks doing in the third period in February and March? What is their third period plus minus? And that's what it is. It's minus 10. Minus 10 for the Sharks. They've given up 10 more goals in the third period than they scored in these last two months. In February, they were minus 3. And in March, they are minus 7. So the Sharks have been a terribly bad third period team these last two months. I think it's a big reason why they weren't able to push forward into the playoffs. But in another way, we should mention that this number is dominated by two performances in particular. One, of course, being last night, where they gave up four unanswered goals in the third period to Ottawa. And the other is a week ago, where they gave up four unanswered third period goals to Chicago. And so those two games are certainly the worst. Uh, They do have a minus three in there. And they do have a bunch of pluses, actually, to start out February. But, But honestly, they are just... 
March is riddled with minus ones and evens. Uh, and the Sharks just couldn't put it together when they needed to be gritty in the third period. And they gave up a lot more goals than they scored. I think if you had to, if you had to point to one reason why this team couldn't gain a foothold in the playoff picture, it's this. They can't take control in the third period at all. Well, you just said gritty, dude, which is not, this team is not gritty. And this this has been a problem with the Sharks for years. And they seem to address it um, about two years ago. They seem to address it with the acquisition of Rafi Torres. And if you remember when they traded for him, the entire complexion of the team seemed to change for about a month. You know, the, the team was just had a different, they had like this, you know, we know we have a sniper riding shotgun with us in the back seat. And you know what? We're all going to play with a little bit more confidence because Big Brother was kind of over their shoulder. Not that Torres is like a fighter, but he. I think people are way more afraid of Rafi Torres at his 100% health than they are John Scott because, I mean, you know, right, dude? That's true. Well, John Scott, you, all you have to do is avoid the three and a half minutes he's going to be out there to start. And, right. And also, John Scott isn't going to make you look foolish anywhere on the ice unless he's pounding you into oblivion. You just sort of stay away from him a little bit take the inevitable hits that he's trying to throw out. But Rafi Torres will hurt you. He'll score goals. He'll make you look stupid. Because he's a real hockey right. player. He's a real hockey sure. player. This team, the Sharks, have been soft. They have a knock for being soft. The Kings, after last year, essentially it uh, called them soft by saying they could see it in their eyes, that they knew they were going to lose. That's a horrible, horrible stigma to have around a team. And the Sharks have that stigma and they have had it for years dude and they've never really been able to fix it and there's three common threads the personnel the core personnel is the same the coach is the same and the gm is the same so um either going to continue down this path or they're going to have to start over at some sense dude to try and fix that problem because it is it's a big big problem you know giving up you know losing two games like the chicago and ottawa game by completely going nuclear in the fourth in the in, in the third period mm-hmm. in two games in where games that you had to have points doesn't say a lot for the character of your team no I agree with you i I think that's that's one of the biggest problems um you know with the sharks and they just can't seem to get the right personnel to fill these third and fourth line roles that these other teams have found a way to fit you know they've figured out you know Chicago and l a have figured that out how to get the right personnel. Mike Richards, obviously the answer. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to try. (laughs) They're going to try. I I mean, LA is, they're still on the outside looking in, aren't they? They are. I just, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I don't see them in there. I mean, they're, they're four points out of the wild card, two points behind Calgary. I'll just, I'll believe it when they're not there. I, I just think they'll find a way. They'll find a way to get in there somehow. I, I hope they don't make it, dude. You're in a very odd position here where it's possible your top two picks, Boston and L.A., both might not make the playoffs. That would definitely be like me to do that. So that would be, you know, par for the course <laughs> as far as I'm I'm concerned. Yeah, that would be amazing. Boston and L.A., who would have guessed that neither of them would make the playoffs? And you're right. Well, Boston's only one point out at this point. But... Uh, but yeah, LA's a full four points out. I mean, you can't... They do have a game in hand against Winnipeg, so I guess you could say they're, they're two or three points out if you want to be charitable to LA. But yeah, I mean, with only eight games left in the season, 
I don't like their chances. Winnipeg is seven and three in their last ten. Minnesota seven and three. These teams don't seem to be fading. I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily see how how Ellie's going to make it. They they need help. They need some help from those other two teams. This will be a very very strange playoff season, dude. To not have the Sharks in the playoffs, to be watching solely for your Vegas Cup teams. To be, uh, you know, painting Tampa Bay across your face in hopes yeah. that the Lightning get past the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals, dude. We we will be passionately rooting, but just not for the Sharks, which is going to be really, really strange. It's going to be weird, dude. Let's go to an email. We got an email from Dylan, who's a new emailer for us, who is a Sharks fan in Oklahoma. Interestingly enough, he says, "I know this is a bit off topic." Awesome. He knows it's an off-topic for the season. Frankly, this is exactly the right time for these kinds of off-topic questions because we don't want to be talking about the Sharks. He's like, well, what's the deal with Scott Gomez? <laughs> Random question, dude. Scott Gomez has 30 points. He's third on the team in points for the Devils, dude. How do we explain Scott Gomez? Could he still be an NHL player or do the Devils just suck that bad? Um... I think that they are terrible and that at some point somebody has to score. <laughs> and it's also uh, possible that he has sold his soul to the devil. It is possible. Also interesting to know that uh, Steve Bernier is number six on the team in scoring. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I do not think that Scott Gomez is still a good player. I think that if, anyone thought he was still a good player, they probably would have tried to trade for him at the deadline. Um, and the fact that he's been on like four teams in the last three years uh, is a testament that he's not a good player. So uh, does he still have an NHL career? Probably. I mean, he'll probably bounce. And remember, he, he had to make this team out of camp and sit out for the first several weeks of the season because they didn't even have a spot for him. Will they keep him? I don't care. The Devils are terrible. Yeah, you know, they're so, so bad. They're, they're in an even worse position than the Sharks by by far, you know, because their roster is is old and talentless. Right. Yeah. You look at you look at these guys and you don't see a whole lot of bright spots. Adam Henrique no. is a good player, okay? He's leading the team in points. But then you gotta go pretty far down. To get to a player that you might get excited about, Adam Larson, maybe. Okay, Adam Larson. Hmm. Not. Like- I mean, not really. I mean, me. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're they're in, in some sad states over there for sure. And they've got some bad contracts on the books, and um, yeah, they've got a big hole to dig themselves out of. I mean, Sweet Lou has has just got immunity over there. I think he can do basically whatever he wants. I guess. Um, and, and never worry about his job. I suppose so. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be one of the biggest questions is, is, is anyone going to take the fall for this? I mean, this is something obviously we'll be talking about for the next few weeks. Uh, and we probably won't have an answer to it until maybe June. But I think the yeah. question that everybody's sort of thinking about is who's going to take the fall, if anyone, for this yeah. Sharks result? You know, the, I mean, this is a team that Doug Wilson said at the beginning of the year was expected to make the playoffs, even though they were taking a step back. Certainly the way they were playing early in the year, it seemed like they were on a playoff track. 
and now they're clearly off off the rails and they're they're not going to make the playoffs so who takes the fall is it going to be Doug Wilson is it going to be Todd McClellan is it going to be both um I guess it seems pretty clear given the contract situation that's not going to be Patrick Marlowe or Joe Thornton but what what else could happen here dude what do you at this point you know given the uh you know Doug Wilson watch 2015 what do you what do you think's the most likely result here I think it I I would go to Vegas right now and bet a large amount of money on Todd McClellan being fired shortly after the season. I think he will be fired. I think that that's going to happen. He will be the one that takes the blame for this. Um, I do think he does deserve some blame. Not that he's a bad coach. We've talked about this. I think he is a good coach. But just at some point, you can't. You have to get a different voice in the room if you can't change the players. And they're not going to be able to change a good majority of these players. So keeping Todd McClellan is just, you know, enabling mediocrity at this point and not even trying to to change up the, the mix. I mean, he has to bear some of the responsibility for whatever's going on culturally in that locker room. And um, if it is Jumbo's court still because right. nothing's changed and it's still Jumbo being bigger than ever, which is what Rado is saying. You know, maybe they need somebody else to come in and and really shake things up a little bit. If Joe's still going to be here and be performing at the elite level that he is, that's fine. But, you know, you said you were going to turn this team over to the young players, and that has not happened. You know, Joe Pavelski has done everything that he can do, from what we can see, to be the captain of this team, and they haven't had the stones to do it. Right. Yeah, I think so, that's, that's a that's a good summation of that. I think T Mac is done, dude. I think he is done. And I, I, I said I were there's smoke, there's fire, dude. I, I think if I'm looking now ahead, it's not what I think should happen. But I think Joe is still here. I think Doug Wilson is still here, and I think Dan Bilesma will be the next coach of the Sharks. And that's that's just what I think is going to happen. What about Doug Wilson, dude? You think he's going? I be think gone he'll too? still be here. I think he'll still be here. I think that there is, um, from what we understand, Plotner and Doug Wilson are very tight, and. You know, I, I don't know if Plotner knows enough about, you know, the <clears throat> the hockey landscape to operate without Doug Wilson. Now, something that was floated by Ratto and Kawakami is maybe Doug Wilson will get quote-unquote promoted to team <laughs> president, yeah. and they'll bring in someone else to run the hockey operations and let Doug Wilson sort of, uh, you know, uh, go out with some dignity. I don't know if Wilson would want to do that, to be honest. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, wouldn't that just be exactly what he criticizes Joe and, and and Patty for doing? Just being happy to be here, collecting a check and, you know, signing off on whatever Jay Feaster does or whatever, dude? Or would he say, you know what? I don't want to do that. You can fire me and, and I'll get a job somewhere else. I, I think you raise an interesting point, which is, you know, Plotner obviously made his bones in the tech world. Uh, you know, he's, he's the founder or CEO of SAP, which is an enterprise software company, uh, that provides things like HR software, sales software to a, a lot of companies, very expensive stuff that companies pay millions of dollars a year for. Uh, so I think he's clearly sort of in the informational sort of nerdy sciencey camp. Um, although, you know, he's a businessman and I think that's a, that's an interesting question, which is. Do we would we really want to trust Plotner at this point to pick a GM that would do a good job? 
right? Let's say he fires Wilson and he says, you know, get out. And he kicks him to the curb. Whose job is it at that point to hire the next GM? It's Hasso Plotner's Joe job. Thornton's. We have, it's Joe Thornton's. It, it could be, right? I mean, that's, you know, and, and we can talk about that. But, but I mean, essentially, it would be Plotner's decision as to who to hire next. And the question is, is he even in a position to make a good hire there? And I think there there is a, a significant chance that he won't get rid of Doug Wilson precisely because he's not in a good position to find somebody else. And maybe it's going to take Plotner another year. Hopefully he's plugged in enough uh, for another year or two where he feels like he can make a good decision as far as that goes. Um, because there isn't anybody else really there unless you want to do an internal hire, I suppose. I mean, I think Joe Will is an assistant GM. And people have been talking about for years that this guy might make it to the big chair in the next few years, the way Jim Nill did in Dallas after being in Detroit all those years. And I guess if you want to do an internal hire like that, that would make sense if, if Plotner has a good feeling about somebody like that. But I think going outside and picking a Jay Feaster or picking one of these guys that's on the market, or, you know, I think someone advocated in the blog going after and just going full bore hockey uh, analysis and stats and go, you know, go get Gabe Desjardins, who's, you know, uh, you know, just like a stats blogger guy, you know, go and get in the guy like that, or, you know, like they did, like they got Tyler Cowan in, in Edmonton. Uh, that might be a really interesting thing and, and sort of in line with, with what, uh, you know, maybe the sort of the tech world might want to go with, but, you know, I don't, I wouldn't trust his judgment to do this now after one season. I mean, could, could, I mean, if I was in that, let's say, you know, you and I are suddenly the owners of the San Jose Sharks. I wouldn't trust myself to make a good GM hire. And I, I've been following this team for years. You know, I don't know what the deal is. I mean, you got to pick a GM that not only makes good player transactions and good contracts and all that stuff, but he's got to interact with all the other GMs. You know, you got to have these interpersonal relationships. I mean, how do you even, how do you even evaluate that if you're in that position for, 12 months i don't know if you can so i right now i'd put the chances of doug wilson being fired at under 50 percent for that reason that's just that's just my feeling i'm not saying it's right i'm just saying that's what i think is going to happen yeah i i don't disagree with you and while we're kind of uh well i want to talk about two more things before we uh wrap this up dude I, i think going back to joe's comments in toronto where he said um that he wants to be with the sharks past this current contract I mean, I, I think this was a sort of a mine is bigger than yours, uh, Doug Wilson, uh, uh, <laughs> comment here uh, where he was just kind of laying it out on the table, a uh, completely unnecessary thing to say. Uh, but he was just like, yeah, you know what? I really like it there. I'm definitely I'm not going to weigh my no move. And you know what? I think I'm going to stay even <laughs> past this contract. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay forever, you know, and uh, I. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I thought that that was. I interpreted that as another little knife at Doug Wilson. I didn't take that as a boost of confidence because the way the team is going, I just don't. I don't think that when the contract's up in two years, that he would be part of the plans anymore. They would probably just let him go. But, um, I don't know. I don't know, dude. I thought that was really interesting. That's funny. I think you can interpret that as. I'm going to be here in two years, but you're not going to be here in two years. Right, exactly. That's pretty much what that means. Yeah. Um, The other Plotner bit of news that uh, was uh, discussed a few months ago on this podcast where, um, you know, I think we we got an email or we we got a mention from a listener um, asking or, you know, uh, alluding to that perhaps the Sharks – 
might be interested in moving to San Francisco when the Warriors Stadium opens yeah. uh, uh, several years down the road. And lo and behold, dude, yeah. out comes Warriors owner Joe Lacob saying that he would be open to such a relationship with the San Jose Sharks. I thought that was very interesting, dude. Um, uh, I think, you know, it, it is so far down the road that it, it's impossible to know whether, you know, these kind of comments are posturing, you know, if the Sharks are, are using things like this to their own leverage to get their own new stadium to improve their cable deal, which we know is a problem. You know, but this Warriors stadium move to San Francisco is out there. It is out there and it's on my mind. And I know I would certainly be very disappointed to see the team relocate even just 40 miles north. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. That would that would suck. I, I feel like, you know, the, the team has been embraced in San Jose. I think obviously there's, you know, local fans go to the game. It's it's the on, literally the only professional, well, the earthquakes barely count, but uh, the <laughs> it's one of the, it's really the only major professional sports team in town. And I think there's a lot of civic pride surrounding the Sharks, uh, you know, in the downtown area and other places, uh, you know, certainly in the South Bay, where people feel like they, uh, you know, the Sharks sort of belong to them. And and if they move to San Francisco, then I think they sort of get thrown into this larger bucket of Bay Area sports that include teams that are supported all over, like the Giants and the Niners and things like that, although obviously the Niners now play in the South Bay. But, yeah, I... The other thing that that's you know that that would be a bummer, right? Because for one, it would be a lot harder to go to games for those of us that live down here. Uh, the other thing is, you know, given the uh, the inauspicious results of the IHL Spiders and the ECHL San Francisco Bulls, I don't think there's any reason to believe that a hockey team would be successful in San Francisco. And that's the other thing that really worries me because if they did move to San Francisco, of course, I would still be a fan. Maybe I couldn't go to as many games, but, you know, I think the team would do a lot worse. I mean, maybe not on the financial side of the ledger. Maybe they could charge more for luxury boxes and tickets and all this nonsense. But I can't help thinking that, you know, it would be almost like a like a New Jersey situation where you have this, like, nice new stadium and you have expensive seats and you have people going. But it's just, you know, it's just not like a draw, like a huge draw. I, I can't imagine the Sharks being a huge draw in San Francisco, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I, I don't want to be proven one way or the other. No, I agree. I think it would be a mistake um, to do that, but um, it does concern me, you know, especially when you have an owner who could possibly not have the same connection um, to the roots of this team and the connection to the city itself. I mean, I know he has business interests out here, um, but he does not live here. And uh, we will see, dude. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But for right now, this team, lottery bound, still in San Jose. And there's going to be a lot of speculation out there in the offseason surrounding what's going to happen. Um, and we've got a few more weeks to go left in the season. So a few more games to go. Hopefully we'll see some young players, a little less Niemi, a little more Staylock. Love to see all that, and and maybe we can. I'd love to see be, all of us be able to make a real decision on whether Staylock has has the chops to be the starting goalie. 
That, that's the one question I would love to see answered in the <clears throat> nine remaining games. I mean, it's probably not enough games, but I would certainly like to see a, enough play out of him for us to feel one way or the other. Because right now, it just seems like a coin flip. It seems like, yeah, he played once every three weeks throughout the season. I don't see how you can translate that into how he's going to be as a starter. Yeah, as of right now, you can pretty much gather that they, they're not planning on him being the starter. And if Niemi's not going to be there, then who is the starter? And that person is clearly not in the organization right now. So um, they must have a plan. Lord knows what it is. Uh, but maybe we'll find out if Stalock, who has another year on his contract, um, is even going to be given any consideration. And if he doesn't play over the next two weeks, then we know he's going to get zero. Right. Right. Well, dude, we'll talk about all that and more next week on the podcast. And uh, go Sharks? Go Sharks. Are we saying go Sharks at this point, or are we hoping for lottery picks? Go McDavid. Go McDavid. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.